put our hands together and give God a cheer this morning a little bit better? Amen. Come on, let's just, before we see it, throw our hands up and just give God thanks this morning. Let's give Him some praise. Amen. For what He has done, who He is. Amen. And everything that He has blessed us with today. Amen. Lord, we love you. You are so amazing. You are the eternal God that never changes, and we love you, Lord. Today, thank you for filling us with your joy, with your peace, Lord, and your righteousness, Lord. We celebrate you and the life that you've given us today. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. You may be seated. If I'm a little hot, you can turn me down. I feel like it's a little loud. I could get louder. Amen. Good to see everybody here today, and just uh, thanks to everyone, really, that came today. Uh, and then those that are listening online as well, I uh, just wanted to say a great big God bless you. And uh, all that God's doing, it's really good. I mean, like the fall is so busy. It's like the spring. It kind of gets busy. Um, of course, next week, you know, we're going to be having our, our life chain that event. But also, um, we're going to be doing, uh, of course, our Harvest Fest is the 8th of October. We're excited about that. But before that, the week before that, will be a week of prayer and fasting. And uh, that prayer and fasting will actually be a week, every night of the week, uh, we'll be gathering at the, uh, at the outreach center in teams, in groups, and so we want you to kind of look up for those details next week. Um, and, and each group that gathers Monday through Friday will be going in a different place, a little bit different area in that uh, area of the OC. And uh, uh, the first two groups are going to be passing out flyers, and then the other three groups are just going to be praying. So we have everything marked out, and we kind of like, you know, we feel that the Lord has really um, given us that area, or will give us that area, and that's kind of our, our goal, uh, that whole region over there. And uh, so that East End area is what we call, um, from really from Catherine Street over to Penn Street, and then down to 3rd Street, up to Grampian. So uh, that's a big area. Got a lot of people there. Uh, a lot of Christians are in that neighborhood. There's churches in that neighborhood. Amen. But we believe that there's people that need to hear G about Jesus. And, and uh, come on, we, we just said, Lord, whatever you want to do, we want to um, really just do what we can do for you. And um, I believe that God wants us to take the city. Amen. I believe that Lord wants to really influence this whole community, this whole area, this whole valley with the gospel of Jesus Christ, his gospel, amen. So we want to do our part, don't we? We want to just kind of say, Lord, whatever we can do, we're going to do our part. And so uh, we're excited about that. So that's next week. You'll hear more details about um, really the uh, kind of the, the prayer walks that we're going to be doing, prayer and fasting, and the week before um, our event there at the Harvest Festival. And, uh, you know, someone, I, I could almost hear some Christians say, uh, you know, churchgoers uh, say, well, why can't the Harvest Festival be just for our church? And, you know, why can't we do that? Well, we do a lot of things just for our church. And you had your opportunity. If you didn't come to the Memorial Day picnic, that was for our church. You know, then you just have to, you know, wait till next year, I guess. But this is kind of something we do for just that immediate community and uh, just loving on the people there. And uh, so many good people I've met in that neighborhood already. I've yet to meet more people, and I'm excited about that. But so many people just really like to get together, and they like to uh, really just fellowship in that area and have fun. Plus, we're going to be doing some giveaways and... Um, We've already talked to some of the neighbors about that. They're excited about it and uh, just looking forward to what the Lord wants to do. Amen. So this morning, I just want to continue and um, kind of uh, just kind of uh, um, continue on the message that we preached last week and just uh, mention some things. And I just I, I felt like the Lord just stirred me this morning and uh, kind of changed it up just a little bit, but um, you know, for me. But um, I want to talk to you this morning about reaching out to the poor. And we talked a little bit about last week and. Um, you know, one of the um, 
uh, members came up to me last week and said, oh, that was so convicting, but, you know, it's just God's truth and, and what God has for us, amen. And so sometimes, as I said in the beginning of the message last week, that God's words are good, they're encouraging, but how many know they're also very challenging? And so uh, I just wanted to um, share some things with you today. If you turn in your Bibles or click on your device to Isaiah chapter 61, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, Amen. <clears throat> I'm going to be reading out of the uh, NIV version for the most part. Isaiah 61, verse 1. Love this scripture. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. So this was a a messianic prophecy uh, hundreds of years before Jesus came. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And then in the New Testament in Luke, uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, Jesus reads this and he says it's about himself. And then he adds uh, a little bit to this and he says that the Lord has anointed me to bring recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. How many believe God's word this morning that Jesus, amen, is anointed? Amen. But look at this in Isaiah chapter 10. Let's go back a little bit. Isaiah chapter 10. <clears throat> I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 in another one. But in Isaiah chapter 10, um, and this is actually a very familiar passage of Scripture to many of us, especially those of, of kind of the Pentecostal experience. We like to say this one a lot, but uh, it's great truth to it. In uh, Isaiah chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, the Lord is speaking. <clears throat> He's speaking to um, the Assyrians, and He says, Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees, to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. In verse 27, in that day their burden or the troubles that the Assyrians put on them will be lifted from their shoulders, broken from their shoulders, that's what it means, and, and the yoke will be broken off their neck. Uh, the load that they're carrying will be broken. The yoke will be broken because of the anointing. Amen. Hallelujah. How many believe that? Amen. The yokes will be destroyed because of the anointing. The very first thing we see in Isaiah chapter 61, that Jesus was anointed to minister to the poor and the oppressed, right, and to set the captives free. How many believe that Jesus was anointed to set the captives free? Amen. I believe that with all my heart. And the Bible says that He did that both physically and spiritually. Makes that clear. Amen. And so the Bible says that Jesus was giving this instruction to Luke, and He said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach to the poor uh, with power and anointing. In Acts chapter 30, when they talked about Jesus and his life, they said that God anointed Jesus who went about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. Amen. For God was with him. So we see that the, the life of Jesus reflected this anointing that he was walking in to set the captives free. I believe that Jesus still is the one who sets the captives free. I believe that Jesus is the great liberator. Amen. Jesus is the one who sets people free. That's what Jesus said he was anointed to do. Amen. How many believe that Jesus was anointed to do? But then when Jesus uh, went up to he- in heaven and he said, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost, he said, one of the things you're going to understand is that you're now anointed to set the captives free. You're now anointed to minister to the poor and the oppressed and to set the captives free. Amen. And this morning, I want to just let you know that you are anointed by God to set the captives free. Amen. You're not anointed to play church. You're not anointed just to be, uh, you know, just kind of an individual and just live your life and live and die. You're anointed 
anointed to preach the gospel that sets people free. Amen. That anointing is on you. You don't have to work it up and you don't have to pray for 10 hours or, or, or go through these classes and stuff. The Bible says that when you're born again and baptized in the Holy Ghost, you are anointed for ministry. Amen? And that a ministry is not always to stand behind a pulpit, to lead a group of people, to be on TV and online and have all these followers and, and have these big titles and stuff behind you. Come on, somebody. You're anointed to set the captives free. Do you believe that this morning? you got to get a hold of that. You're anointed to set the oppressed free, to minister to those who are oppressed. God has chosen you, anointed you to do that. Amen? The anointing simply means this. When you're anointed, it, it just simply means that you are set apart. That's what it means to be anointed. You are set apart. Also, the, to, to be anointed means that you are one that is marked. You are marked by something. And how many know as believers, we're marked by liberty? We're marked by freedom. We're marked by those who are set free. We are, we're the ones that are set free. Come on. We are the ones who are freedom and walking in freedom. And it also means that you are blessed of the Lord. When someone says, I'm anointed and everything, you know what it simply means? It's talking about the blessing of God. How many know the blessing of God has nothing to do with you? You can't get it. You can't pay for it. You can't do enough to get. That's just the blessing of the Lord. Amen. I believe there's things we can do for God's favor and God blesses us when we obey. I'm not talking about that. But the anointed, when you say I'm the anointed, amen, it means you're blessed of the Lord. It means there's strength and increase that comes from the Lord. It means that this is something that God is doing in your life and, and for you as a believer, amen, in general, not necessarily, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, someone of a River Valley church member, but it's a believer. This is what it means, that you have strength from the Lord. You're blessed of the Lord. You're anointed. How many have been anointed by God? Everybody should have their hand up this believer. Amen. But I love this about Isaiah chapter 10. I want to break this down just a little bit and bring out some truths about this. In Isaiah chapter 10, we see that God was specifically talking to the Assyrian army. He was talking to the Assyrian nation, I should say. And the Assyrians were a tribe of people uh, that became a strong nation with a very, very oppressive system. And so Israel was under their system. Israel was living under this oppressive system. And Assyrians were the type of people that would, for no reason, they would come in and just pillage uh, you know, everything and they would destroy everything. They would take all your money. They would just, for no reason, they would just kill people. They would just attack you. And they loved to p attack the weakest tribes or the weakest nations. They loved to do that. They thrived on that. And they were a very corrupt people. They were, you know, very into, you know, uh, sacrificing and, and all kinds of weird things. And God's anger was kindled against them, the Bible says. And God became angry with the Assyrian nation because of their oppressive system. God's anger was against them because they abused and destroyed people for no reason. They kept people in poverty. They kept people in slavery. They kept people oppressed. They loved to destroy the human spirit. They loved to destroy people. They loved to, to uh, dismantle integrity and dignity and self-worth. This, this is the kind of people they were. They loved to do that. And the Bible says that God was against them. God was, anger was kindled against them. And, and, and chapter 10 is really how God says, I've given you a chance. You blew your chance. Now you're in big trouble. <laughs> but in verse 27, in verse 27, he's speaking to Israel now and the nation, God's people, he's speaking. And he says, I'm going to guarantee you something that the yoke that you've been under is going to be broken because of the anointing. 
Amen. Or because of the anointed one, goes a little further than that. In most translations, it says because of the fat. (laughs) Or the way that you've grown in fat. I kind of like that one. That makes me feel good about eating wings and stuff like that. Amen. But by reason of the fat. By reason of the fat. But this is implied really as a figurative speaking. If he's giving them a, 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 a picture when he says the yoke. He's talking about that. And then he talks about the, the fat or the oil. Um, he's giving a picture of the oxen that have yokes put on them that are under bondage and have to work for somebody else. Or they have to be under this oppressive spirit, come on, or this oppressive uh, system by somebody else. And so he's saying this. He said because of that, because of the fat, reason of the fat, that the yoke isn't going to be, uh, be put around your neck any longer. Okay, this is also a symbol of people who are getting stronger and stronger and asserting their freedom. So what he's saying a little bit here, a little bit further, if you go a, bit, a little bit further than that, you said because of Israel's new strength that God was giving them, because of the anointed one that was rising up in their midst, because of what God was going to do with them and for them, that the, the, the yoke wasn't going to fit anymore because they're going to outgrow the yoke. In other words, they're going to grow and increase so much in strength that the yoke, you're no longer going to be able to put it on them any longer. And even if they had a yoke, they're going to get so strong that the yoke is going to break. Amen. How many know sin is like that yoke? But how many know when you got born again, something began to happen where the yoke doesn't fit on you anymore? Sin doesn't look good on you anymore. It just doesn't fit. I can't do it anymore because it simply just doesn't fit anymore. Amen. I used to be under an oppressive system of sin, but now that system isn't working anymore for me. It just doesn't fit any longer. I can't come under that yoke because I've got a new yoke. Amen. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Amen. It's light and it's good. Amen. And so that's what the Bible says here when I read that, by reason of the fat, by reason of the increase of God, because of the increase of the blessing of the Lord and the anointed one in your presence, amen, the yoke isn't going to fit anymore, it's going to be destroyed, amen. But the yoke of oppression that the Assyrians were putting on them is going to be destroyed. That yoke of, of abusing people that are weak and taking advantage of people that are, are broken, that, that oppressive spirit is going to be broken because of the anointing. How many know the anointing breaks the oppressive spirit that's in our culture? Amen. That sin brings, that the devil brings. Amen. How many believe God that the anointing breaks that yoke? Amen. The anointed one breaks that yoke. Amen. And so Jesus was anointed to bring those from a broken, oppressive system to freedom in Him so that they could live in His system, His kingdom. Amen. Come on. That we could be free in His kingdom. Amen. So that's what Jesus was declaring in Isaiah 61. He was saying that I'm anointed to bring people that are in this broken, oppressive system to freedom and liberty. Amen. How many know Jesus is the anointed one? He is the Christ, the Christo, the, the anointed one that has come. Amen. And how many believe that we've got him on the inside? I've got the anointed one on the inside. And because I've got the anointed one on the inside, yokes don't fit on me. Amen. That are not a, of kingdom, they're not of God. Every yoke that's not of the Lord won't work in my life. It will break in the name of Jesus because of the anointing. Amen. How many believe that? Amen. And how many believe that that same anointing is in your life? 
God has anointed you with that same anointing that Jesus had. Amen. That God anointed Jesus. Well, how many know God anointed you? And God has anointed us to set the captives free. Amen. I don't want you to go around the store and think, man, what, what can I do? I have, I'm nobody, nothing coming. I can't, you know, what do I have to say to people? You've got to walk into a store, walk into your place of business, say, God, you have anointed me right now in my generation, my day, to break the yokes of the oppressive spirit. Amen of sin. You, you, that's just God. Amen. And I want to get, get that in your spirit today, that you are anointed, amen, to preach the gospel that will break the yokes in people's lives. You're anointed to set the captives free. You're anointed to do that. That's what the Bible says. You're anointed to minister to the oppressed. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we see this correlation, and I love this because when I began to look at what Jesus has done and what God has wants to do through me, faith began to rise in my heart. I began to see things in a different light. Amen? How about you? You began to see things just a little bit different. Amen? But let's talk about our system. Let's talk about our world. The world without God is a broken and oppressive system. Is it? Come on. And let me just ask you this. What does a broken and oppressive system produce? It produces broken and oppressed people. Amen? Come on, if you, if someone said, well, God's going to judge. You know, God's going to judge the systems of this world. He's judging the systems of this world because they're oppressive in nature. Because anything without God is broken. How many believe that? Anything without God is oppressive. Amen? And that's what the Bible teaches us. That, And, and so the question is, as the church, if you're anointed to... to uh, set the captives free, and we know that our system is oppressive, then why are we allowing a broken system to minister to people instead of us? Amen? Anybody? Think about it. Why are we allowing that to happen? We shouldn't allow that to happen because we've been anointed to set the captives free. Amen? Our heart should be, man, we're, if any justice is going to be done, it's going to be that of the church preaching the gospel in our communities. Amen? Right? And so, let me just ask you this question. I've seen this about our own system here in our nation, is that every time, and the more that the government really kind of almost uh, has this government programming or whatever they do, the more people stay in oppression. That's just my observation. You ever notice that? The more that we kind of follow our system and let the system dictate where we're going and what we're doing, the more people stay in oppression. They don't come out of oppression. They don't get more free. And I don't know about you, but if you've, you've read any statistics or you've seen any videos or any podcasts, I'm telling you, I, it seems like in the last two years, there's been another level of oppression in our culture. Anybody? Another whole level. Of, but let me tell you something. How many know the anointing breaks every level of oppression? Amen. And you've been anointed. Amen. To set the captives free. That anointing on the inside that God has put in you and God has in you, amen, has, has purposefully to set the captives free. Not accidentally. Well, it might. No, it will <laughs> set the captives free. Amen. And so I want to notice that, that you're anointed. But you're also anointed to meet the needs of the oppressed and the poor and the captives, both spiritually and physically. It's God's will that we meet these needs, both spiritually and physically. I mean, to believe that. Aren't you glad that God just didn't, uh, you know, do such an amazing thing in your life that He just came and, and provided for you and everything? But how many know He saved your soul? I mean, this was something that He came to deliver you spiritually 
from this oppression. Amen. And so we have that same calling. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, that you have received the anointing. And the anointing that you've received, it abides in you. Not that any man should teach you, but the Holy Spirit on the inside is going to teach you. Amen. And then it turns over and Paul said that you have an unction from the Holy One. Amen. Just like Isaiah chapter 10, you have this blessing from the Holy One. Amen. To break the yokes. Amen. And so I don't know about you, but if I think about the church and today's uh, uh, really this, this, temper, uh, this uh, temperature of our environment, I think in, is that the church is not a five-star restaurant where you can come in, pick out what you want, pay a high price for a, a low portion of Christianity. Come on. But the church is a canteen for workers. Amen. We come to get blessed. We come to get strengthened so we can go minister. Amen. And do what God's called us to do. Amen. I, I don't rely on the anointing of Sunday morning. Amen. I don't live by it. It just helps me. Amen. Do what God's called me to do. Amen. Hallelujah. So listen, we are the liberators. We are the new freedom fighters in our culture, if you will. Come on, if I can use that term. That's what the Bible says. We're the liberators. Well, we're waiting for, we're waiting for you know, some legislation and everything. We're waiting for this. We're waiting for that. When God's waiting for the church to be the church because he's called us to set the captives free. Well, Jesus is going to come down. He's going to set everybody free. Or we're just praying that this whole crop of missionaries come from, you know, from the Far East and they just evangelize America and we get saved in one day. No, that's not how it's going to happen. It's going to be you and I realizing that we've been anointed to set the captives free with those around us in our world. Amen. Amen. And so I want to encourage you today. And so the church is, is not just coming and hearing, but it's about going and telling. Amen. And one of the other things is not to understand today is not that we've just been anointed to minister to the poor and to the captive and set the captives free, but you also have to understand that you have to be a good steward of this anointing. You have to be a good steward of this call. You have to be a good steward of what God has put in your lap. Come on, somebody. What God has placed in us as Christians, as His people, amen, and humanity is this responsibility to reach all these people. <laughs> That's a great responsibility, isn't it? And, then I'm, and on top of that, we have this precious, precious, valuable anointing that God has given us. Amen. This call, this mark, this, this setting aside this, uh, of our lives, this dedication for His service is precious. And it's a great responsibility, and we have to be good stewards of this anointing. Many people think that the anointing is in their life for them that they can be recognized, that they can be seen, that they can create a ministry, that they can do these signs and wonders through themselves and then, have a, have, and then draw people to themselves and say, look what I have. But how many know this, that's not what the anointing's about? I mean, that's not what you're anointed. You're not anointed to show off. You're not anointed to be better than other people. You're not anointed to, to run around and say, look how good I am. Come on. You're not anointed to run around the church on Sunday. You're anointed to set the captives free. Amen. And whether you feel qualified or not, whether you feel good enough or not about that, it has no bearing in, come on, in God's eyes because He called you and anointed you. Amen. Right? To set the captives free. I really believe that. And so I, I just wanted to stir your heart a little bit. And as we move into this, I want to just give you a picture and have to understand the oppression of poverty. The oppression of poverty, it really poverty is humiliating. It's a vicious cycle. It brings many burdens. 
And that's why when Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free, He's talking about burdens. He's talking about yokes that people are under. And one of the most powerful is the yoke of poverty. And, and what happens is when you rely on other people, in poverty you rely on other people to provide your basic needs, you, you, you develop a learned behavior. You begin to l- develop a learned characteristic and, and, and a, a kind of a profile of, your, uh, of who you are. And, and, and no longer do you understand the dignity and, and worth of being uh, a person. It's, it looks like you're a little bit lower than that. Because rob, really it robs you of dignity, self, that self-dignity and self-worth and purpose. And how many know that the easiest people for the devil to get a hold of is those that don't know what their purpose is? Amen? When they don't know who they are and who God is and where they're going and what life is all about, they're just easy prey. And people in poverty really struggle with personal failure and broken systems, and we got to see that. And you can't just write them off, write people off and say, you know what, they just need to get a job. Or they can change any time they want to. We have to understand that sometimes being in poverty is just a vicious cycle. And it goes over and over and over and over again. But aren't you glad, as Romans 6 tells us, that Jesus came to break every cycle of sin? Come on, every dysfunctional cycle, amen, will you call it a generational curse or whatever you want to call it, amen, Jesus and His anointing breaks those cycles of sin. And so the cycles of poverty can really be about blaming something else and someone else and, and um, you know, bad choices and sensual desires and a faulty worldview and immoral behaviors and laziness is rewarded. And, and those are the kind of things that cycle you get into in poverty. And it really leads to people that are dissatisfied and worthless and just feel this emptiness in them and this frustration and rage. And so what happens is they begin to move in greed and lying and cheating and stealing. And come on, that just is a result of it. But aren't you glad that when the gospel comes, you realize, I don't need to do that anymore. I don't need to do that anymore. You get this dignity back. You get this self-worth back. You get this purpose back. You get who I am in Christ now. Come on. And I began to see that God doesn't want me to live here. God wants me to live in such a way that I can take care of myself so that I can be blessed to give to other people. Amen. And how many know that's the good cycle? That's the good, amen, part of the kingdom system that happens. God blesses you so you can take care of yourself and then you can turn around and bless other people. That's, that's what God's into. Amen. God's not into people living in this realm, in this cycle. And so the other thing about poverty that we have to understand that so many addictions uh, really create momentum uh, for the cycles to keep going. When there's this, you know, addictions, you can't get out of this. And so, you know, you have to pay for that addiction. And, and so in order to pay for that addiction, you've got to beg and you've got to steal. And, and, then, well, and then you get in trouble with the law. And then you, and it, come on, it's just a cycle. You keep doing it and keep doing it. Amen. But how many know Jesus has anointed you with the word to break that cycle in people's lives? Amen. Amen. And let me just throw a couple things out because one of the things we have to understand is that part of the oppressed that you're called to minister to are people that are rich. Man, I got quiet. Actually, the, th- the third part of the series is talking about reaching out to the rich. <laughs> amen. How many know we got to reach the rich? And everybody said, amen. Everybody, the Bible says rich have many friends. Oh, yes, they do. And yes, they do. Amen. I mean, you know, I had a lot of friends that had pools. Come on, they had big houses. I had a lot of those friends. Love those friends. Amen. But how many know part of the oppressed are the rich? 
The rich of this world can be the oppressed. The Bible says in Proverbs 10.15, I need to hurry, but Proverbs 10.15 says, the rich man's wealth is his only strength. The poor man's poverty is his only curse. If both of them can see past that, they'll be free people. I believe that, amen? Come on, how many believe that? And it's funny because if you look at poverty and riches, they're similar in the sense that both can be oppressive. Because money, you know, money, someone said this, someone said money can't buy happiness. How many of you have ever heard that term? Money can't buy happiness. But you know, it's sometimes it's a little easier to cry in a Ferrari than in a Chevy, uh, you know, Spark or whatever. <laughs> How many of you know, someone said it's a little easier to cry in a Ferrari than it is a Chevy Spark. But anyways, but money can't buy happiness and it becomes oppressive, amen? And, and here's something interesting that both riches and poverty, people that are there, they struggle with money and materialism, both of them. One has a lack of something, and the other one has an abundance of riches. Come on. One has a lack of riches, the other has an abundance. They're kind of there on the, in the same boat. Both can struggle with pride and entitlement. Both can struggle with pride. I've had, I've had a lot of people that were, they were absolutely poor, didn't have anything, and addicted. They, I mean, it was all messed up. And they were most, some of those arrogant people I've ever talked to in my life. I mean, no, not all rich people are proud, and not all poor people are humble. <laughs> Amen. But how many know that you can struggle with pride and entitlement? People that are rich feel that they should be first in line. People that are poor feel that they should get from everybody else sometimes. Come on, there's both entitlement that can be there. And so there's that struggle. There's part of that, that bondage that comes in your life because of it. And, and, and both can be blind. Jesus said in Isaiah chapter 61 that one of the things he came is to, get, to, to bring sight to the blind. How many know you can, riches can blind you? Poverty can blind you. Come on. Amen. Is that right? Because blindness can be what you have in possessions. Poverty is what you don't have. Both of it can blind you. Both of it can be a stumbling block. And both of them can be a yoke in people's lives. Both of them, people, I believe that people that are rich and people that are poor uh, can both be broken and be in pain. Both can be broken. Come on. Amen. You think, well, man, we automatically think if you got riches, you got all together. But how many know sometimes that just hides what's really going on? Amen. Some of the loneliest people are the richest people. Is that right? And everybody's like, well, sign me up to be their friend. I'll be their friend. I really will. I love on them. I'll be their friend. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. But uh, this quickly is that really it's just we also know that that spiritual poverty is an issue. It's not just physical poverty, but how many know there's a spiritual poverty? There's a spiritual poverty. People that are just lacking in such a great way, that are destitute, that are empty, that are needing in such a, a, a way that we, we've got to see that. We've got to see people's spiritual need. You know, and I, I feel so um, blessed when we were able to give to an organization that feeds the poor. I'm so blessed that we can be a part of uh, an organization and a group of people that are feeding the poor and we can hand out things and give them and meet their needs. I'm so privileged to be a part of that. You know, but one of the things that's always in my heart is I want to meet the spiritual need. I know sometimes God will use you to meet the natural need to open the door for the true spiritual need. Jesus ministered to a woman at the well and he asked her a very natural question, can I have a drink of water? And how many know that question right there opened her heart up to the real spiritual need she had, which was salvation? Amen? 
And so God wants to use that. We have to see that. And, and some people do get caught up in just, well, I'm just giving to the poor. I'm just doing this. I'm just doing all these things. And that's great. And we have to. Believe me. I'm one of the biggest champions on that. But we can never lose sight that there is a spiritual poverty that people need to be delivered from. Amen? And I'm not going to go into that whole lot, but we understand that. Amen? And how many know there's a good spiritual poverty and there's also a bad spiritual poverty that the Bible talks about? When Jesus said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, He wasn't saying, blessed are you who are poor in this world. He says, poor in spirit. Amen? So there's a, there's a good spiritual poverty. There's a humility there, as Jesus was talking about. Don't get arrogant. Amen. But be humble. Humble yourself, and God will lift you up. There's all these principles about this, this kind of this good. Uh, how many know sometimes it's the, there's, there's, there's principles of being poor that actually are good, and they actually work for people? In other words, when, when you were first married, most of you were first married, what, what, what is one of the common denominators that I'll hear from you as we have a conversation about your marriage? One of the first things that you're going to say is, when we first got married, we didn't have anything. We didn't have a whole lot. We were so happy. I mean, there's something good about that. Come on, there's something good about that. And you guys relish in that. You know, you just think about it. I mean, that's the good old days. Is that right? We got married. We didn't have anything. And, and there's almost this bragging, too, especially with our kids and our generation. We'd love to do that. Compare what they had and what we had. And we'd love to say, listen, we only had five cents. And we loved it. We feel good about that. There's something good about it. Why? Because there's something good about that, the Bible says. And we're not going to get into that. But, but I believe that there is this spiritual poverty that that keeps people oppressed, that's a real issue. Jesus said, and He talked about, and, and I believe that as He ministered to people, I believe that He really wanted to get to the heart of the issue. The heart of the issue was they didn't know God. And so I believe that we need to be faithful. So many times we want to run after this and we want to chase down people and, and deal with this right here. But how many know the Bible makes it clear that there's a lot of times that when you do something in the natural, when you feed people, when you provide for somebody, when you serve somebody, it opens the door to their heart for the real spiritual poverty that lies on the inside. Let's keep that focus today. And I just want to end about, about talking about freedom from oppression. Let's talk about the freedom and, and many times we, we look at our, our culture, especially the answer that we come up with, um, and we, we talk about poverty alleviation, we talk about all these things, but really it's, it's, it's not this, okay? I'm going to say what it's not, and um, uh, you know, kind of meeting the need of those that are poor. It's not to move people up to another economic ladder, on that ladder. In other words, take those that are poor and make them middle class. Take the lower middle class, make them rich. That's not, that's not going to help. That's not what the point is. That's what the Bible teaches. It's not to make sure that people have enough material possessions. They have enough things. That's not, even though that'll happen, it's, that's not the point. And the point is, is not to make sure that everyone is on the same social status. There's an argument right now going about Acts chapter 2 and 4 when it talks about they made distribution. People sold property. They brought it in, laid it at the feet of the apostle. They made distribution. That everybody was equal on the same social status, on the same plane. But that's not biblical. That's not exactly what it was happening. The point was not that everybody was on the same social scale and on the same social level. The point was that people's needs were being met. I mean, I know that's what we really need to focus on as the church. Let's meet people's needs. Amen? Right? Just wanted to throw that out. And so, it, really what it is, and here's where we come from, from a biblical point of view, and that is, it is to restore people to the full expression of who God called them to be. 
That's really our point, isn't it? Is that point, our point, right? It's moving closer to glorifying God and by living in, in right relationship with God, with others and in and, and, and creation. That's what it's about. And so, you know, one of the things we have to understand is that poverty is rooted in broken relationships. For many of us, right, we see that. And so what is the solution? The solution is right relationship with God, reconciliation. And so when we talk about ministering to the poor, we talk about that we're anointed to set the captives free. People that are bound and under yokes of bondage, the answer is not to make it lighter for them, amen, or to, to you know, just kind of, well, we're just going to, I'm just going to give you everything. That's not what it's about. What it's about is reconciliation to God. That's our heart, isn't it? And if, and if poverty is rooted in broken relationships, then the answer is whole relationships. Amen? Come on, the, the, the answer is whole relationships. In fact, I heard of a, a testimony of a, a guy who was an addict for many years, and one of the things that said, the more I became addicted, the less uh, commitment I made to other people and the less relationships I had. And so, how many know sin really drives you away and breaks relationships? It brings brokenness in your life and your family. Come on, somebody. Disobedience to God's Word, it'll bring brokenness every single time. But the opposite that has to be true, then the answer and the solution has to be that we get closer to God. There's a reconciliation to God. There is a wholeness with other people. There is a healing with other people. Is that correct? Right? And so that's the answer, and that's what God wants us to focus on, is bringing people to reconciliation to the Lord. And the Bible says very clearly in 1 Corinthians that we have the ministry of reconciliation. That's our ministry. So when we talk about your anointed to set the captives free, we have to say that, that, is, that, that the whole focus of that, the whole point of that is to bring them to reconciliation to God and other people. To bring healing in their, in their, their lives through relationships. How I many know one of the things that we find out real quick about the church is that it's a, a place of relationships. It's not a place of religious duty. It's not like I come to church, I do my thing. The church is not about a bunch of individuals doing their best to go to heaven. The church is about becoming one in Christ and remaining one in our fellowship. Amen. And so we, we realize that when you come into the things of the Lord, the first thing you realize is that we get healed in relationships. Do you realize that? Many people that never come into healing and relationships, I can guarantee you, they never wanted to get close to anybody in the church. They never let anybody get close to them. They never really came to a place of, of one, oneness in the sense of togetherness in the church. Amen? That's what I've seen. And so I want to just encourage you that we, we really have a heart to minister to people and set the captives free. And our ultimate goal is to bring them to reconciliation to God. That's our heart. Amen? Because reconciliation is really about, it's an act of God. It's what the Lord can do in their life. It's not how much I can do for them. It's that God's using me through me to really show them what He can do and who He is. Amen? How many, how many believe that with all your heart? Amen. And so I believe that nobody, nobody on this earth can experience fundamental and lasting change without being born again. You just can't do it. You just can't do it. You're not going to change in your situation. You're not going to change in your relationships in a whole and healthy way that God has intended until you come to Him and say, Lord, I want to know You. Come on, and I want to be with You forever. That, that's really what it's about, isn't it? And so in short, in closing, our message to the rich is this, that they, there needs to be humility. That's, that's the message to the rich. And they need to have wisdom and good stewardship. And they need to be involved in serving. Good works, the Bible says. 
and reconciliation and reaching out. That's kind of our message to the rich. And our message to the poor and, and the way that we would reach out to the poor is through freedom. Come on, they need that freedom. They need that liberty, but also their faith. The Bible says it's possible to be poor in this world, but rich in faith. Come on, so their faith towards God needs to be rich. And serving, hard work. Through hard work and serving others, amen, you can be set free. And so our message to the poor would be reconciliation and restoration. God wants to restore the broken things. God wants to restore your mindset. God wants to restore, amen, your, your, uh, kind of your position in life and also in the way that you give to other people. I believe that, amen? But here's the truth about all this, is that ministering the gospel to the poor and to the rich is part of carrying our cross. I mean, I, you say, well, this is a challenging message. I, I think this is for somebody else. <laughs> I think you're just talking to another crowd. But you know what? Honestly, it really comes down to this. When Jesus said to the young man, he said to sell all you have, give to the poor, come and follow me. And then Jesus turned around and he said, if anybody wants to follow me, you've got to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. And how many know when Jesus picked up his cross, he was ministering to us. And one of the greatest things that Jesus was getting ready to do when he's carrying his cross was to break our oppression. <laughs> Come on. And so Jesus sees, amen, that when you're carrying your cross and when you're denying yourself and to carry your cross as a believer means that you're ministering to the poor, you're ministering to the oppressed, you're ministering to those that are rich in this world, you're ministering to those that are captive in sin, you're, you're ministering to those that are in a yoke of bondage. The Bible wants you, just, just says it real clear, this is carrying your cross. For most of us, this is carrying our cross. How many believe that today? But how many want to say, with, with like the disciples, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm willing to carry my cross. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. I, I know that I'm anointed, but I want to flow in the right anointing for the right purpose that you anointed me, amen, to set the captives free. How many can say amen? Amen. Let's stand on our feet today. I want to just repeat this awesome scripture in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. The Bible says that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Amen. I love that scripture. And so we're anointed and to minister, we're anointed to minister to the poor, the oppressed, and to set the captives free. That should be our heart. That should be our heart. Our heart shouldn't be, well, you can figure it out. Well, get cleaned up, then you come to church, then I'll talk to you. Amen. How many know Jesus didn't do that with you? He didn't do that with me. He didn't say, get your act together, get cleaned up, get in church, and then maybe we'll talk. How many know Jesus talked to me right where I was? How many know, are you there? Right where you were, in the midst of all your sin and brokenness, he reached out to you. I often think like my, I often think like my testimony in my life is kind of like that tes testimony when Jesus was at that dinner with all those famous people and all those well-to-do people, and this woman comes in. And she's just a woman of the street. And it just, just, they said, and they whispered, how can he touch her? How can he allow this woman in his presence? I mean, this is, this is crazy. How many know, you know, I read that scripture and I always think that was me. I always put myself in that scripture. I was the uninvited guest. But he reached out to me and touched me when I was uninvited. When it, when, when it said, I didn't do anything to deserve salvation, it's just by His grace that I'm saved. Come on, somebody. Amen. I couldn't go to church enough. I couldn't do good works enough. I couldn't try to live right enough. I couldn't try to perfect myself and be the most humanitarian person in the world. I needed His grace. Amen. And so I want to just give you this challenge today. 
that without this verbal presentation of the gospel and without the involvement of church, it's impossible for people to be changed in their situation. Amen? We've got to see it that way. It's got to be the involvement of the church. It's got to be the, it's got, they got to have somebody in their life, amen, that really loves them and cares for them. They, they, they just have to have somebody from the church of Jesus Christ. I mean, the, 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 the body of Christ reach out to them, amen. And I want to take just a few moments, and I just want to give you, in closing, just remember two numbers. I want you to just talk about this. This was my heart this week, but, and this is my challenge. It's a little bit challenging, and I want to give you this challenge. Um, I want you to remember two numbers, okay? I want you to remember 65%, and I want you to remember 95%. So as I was doing some research this week and thinking about something that I realized that there's two perspectives kind of um, in the church or could be in the church, or as Christians, we, we tend to have, we need to really see two perspectives. We have these two perspectives that, what the number one is that 65%. So, you know, according to a, a, a poll that was done by Pew Research, a few years ago, they said that, that about 70% of all Americans um, identify as Christians. So that's 214 million people out of the 329 people identify as being Christians. Now that's about 46% of Protestants. So that's like roughly 90 million Protestant Christians in America that they confess that they are Christians, they are churchgoers. 90 million. How many know that's a lot of people? That's a lot of people. And yet, in that year that they did this study, they found that 65% of Christians, which is 55 million, 55 million people did not vote in 2020. They did not vote. So 55 million people did not vote who were registered to vote or could, able-bodied to vote. They did not. 65% of Christians did not vote in 2020. The second perspective I want to share with you is that out of that 90 million Christians, out of those 90 million Protestant adults, 95% of Christians have never led another person to the Lord. So that's 85 and a half million people have never led anyone to the Lord. 65 and 95. Sometimes we get caught up with that 65%. We get caught up with the Christians that didn't vote. But we need to be shaken and think about the 95% of people that didn't. Didn't, didn't tell anybody about Jesus. How many know there's a perspective there? We need to keep reality in mind and say, you know what? We, we need to think about what we're really called to and, and anointed to do. We're anointed and called to minister to the poor and oppressed and to set the captives free. That is our primary focus. Come on, somebody. Amen. I'm not saying you shouldn't do your duty. I'm just trying to give you a perspective here. Amen. So here's my challenge. If just half of those people, if just 45 million people led one person to the Lord this year, that's obviously 90 million people. If we would do it for the next five years, if, if just half of those people, if just 45 million Americans that confess to be Christians, just 45, just half of that number, if we just in the next five years concentrate on leading one person to the Lord every year, that's 225 million people that would be Christians. How many know that would change culture? I said that would change culture right there. That would change communities. That would change, I mean, just think about it. The schools would be changed. Media, I mean, just think about all the things that would be influenced and changed if we would just one person. And, and so my challenge today is to think about, Lord, if I'm anointed to do this, then I want to walk in that anointing. I want to walk in that call. I, I want to take it more serious than what I have and realize that, that it's not just Jesus that's going to set the captives free. I'm called to set the captives. Not that I can do it in my own power, you understand, but that's my call. That's my ministry. That's what I'm anointed to do. 
And so today I may not be anointed to move, run around the church and play church and, do, and be a good Christian, but I am anointed to set the captives free. I am anointed. I have that ministry of reconciliation. That is my ministry. That is what I was anointed to do. That's what I'm called to do. Lord, help us all to move in that anointing today. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Thank you that your word challenges us. Not me, but your word challenges us. That is a way of bringing truth out. Lord, I pray that we would not look down on other people who are suffering and oppressed. I pray that we would not make excuses so easy, just, well, I can, and, well, they don't deserve it, and I just don't think they really need it. And I, I pray, Lord, you would just change our way of thinking, change our perspective when it comes to the lost and reaching out to the poor. We pray, Lord, that you would make us a people that, like you, that you were, Lord, that you said I was anointed to come and preach, that you spent 85% of your ministry in public, in the marketplace, and where people were, the broken people, the sick people, the lost people, the diseased people, the people that nobody, nobody wanted to touch or be around. Lord, that's what you were called to. That's where you spent your time. May I just have a heart check today and say, Lord, I, I want to just reach out to the poor. I want to reach out to the oppressed. I want to reach out to those that need you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, I put this in your hands. I, I can't force people to get saved. I can't force people to believe the truth and see the truth. But Lord, you can move in their heart, but you need a vessel. You need a door. You need an opportunity, and that's, that's me. And so I pray that you would just help me, Lord, be your witness today like never before in my city, in my community. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Can we just put our hands together and give God a cheer this morning? Thank you, Lord.